Talk shows. It's time to spread the word to friends, family, and the universe. 24 hours of music and talk. Radio without limits. That's why people keep coming back for more. That's UBNRadio.com. This is One on One with Jasper Cole, Hollywood's bad guy, and so much more. Actor, talent manager, producer, and more. Now he's sitting down with today's top newsmakers from entertainment, politics, pop culture, and beyond. This is One on One with Jasper Cole. Howdy, 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 and welcome to One on One with Jasper Cole. This would be me coming to you live from uh, Sunset Gower Studios right here in Hollywood, California. It's another day, another show, another Wednesday. Let me shout out to my... I actually have both producers here, starting with John Williams. Hey, JW. Hey, hey, hey. And, of course, publicist extraordinaire and producer Dominic Friesen. Good afternoon. Hey, buddy. Hey, what's going on? It's nice to see you here. Likewise. So listen, everyone, please follow us on Twitter because we need Twitter followers, as many as we can get, right? Well, we're not begging, but... I'm begging, basically. (laughs) (laughs) One-on-one J. Cole. But but we're we're, we're getting traction because last night Roseanne Barr favorited one of our tweets. That's right. That was a big deal. Tell everyone, what was it? Uh, It was your tweet about her. She went after KFC last night on Twitter, and it was actually... Was she eating it? (laughs) Come into the light, Dominic. No, no. Zelda Rubenstein. She she was talking to Colonel, which, of course, is probably five publicists. They're just, you know, their social media team responding. And she she was asking the difference between Southern Fried Chicken and KFC. And was asking about their batter. One and, uses real chicken <laughs> and spices, but it was—I mean, it was literally like twenty tweets back and forth. That's amazing. So yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, go. We love Roseanne. I'm watching Last Comic Standing. So I am too. That's don't really you good. love that? Yes. It's so good. so if Roseanne is following us. Yeah. And reading our tweets, then, then why aren't you? <laughs> why exactly? Mm-hmm. All you Roseanne and fans. Roseanne looks amazing on that. She show. does. She, she just lost really weight good. and had plastic surgery yeah. and. But anyway, also go to our Facebook page, One Woman Jasper Cole, and my website, jaspercole.com. And we're very excited today to mention that we have three new advertisers joining us, or we're joining with them in partnership. So I want to mention canvasworld.com, com, dot com, uh, Three Days Blinds, and 21st Century Insurance. So welcome aboard. Or I'm excited yes. to have this. Yes, thank you. And so, JW, there's uh, people need to go to the host page, right? Yes. And uh-huh. there will be a link for all three companies and you click on the link and it'll give you the discounts and all the stuff they're offering you. Exactly. So, and if you don't do that and you happen to just contact them directly, uh, use the promo code one on one with Jasper Cole. So welcome aboard. Let's sell some stuff for them. Right. All right. And um, anyway, I had a great time last week. I was shooting Brooklyn Nine Nine and had a nice guest spot on there. So I want to give a shout out to. Uh, Andy Samberg and Andre Brower and Michael McDonald, who a lot of people remember from Mad TV. Mm-hmm. And Kira Cedric. Right? Yeah, Kira Cedric. Although I didn't work with her. Okay. She was there. But um, Michael was the director. He was amazing. I'd love to have him get him on the show, actually. Um, just a great cast, a great, great crew. Everyone treated me really, really well. So um, I think it, it's the third episode of the season. I don't know when the new season starts, but uh, I'll let people know. So now we were going to have a uh, legendary boxer, Roy jo- Jones Jr. today, but Dominic can tell us why we don't have him. Well, if, if I mean, has been reading the headlines. Right. He um, got himself in a, a little bit of a pickle in right. Russia. <laughs> Literally. Um, you know, it has something to do with Russian citizenship. And so his interviews postponed. He is going to be coming. Show. Yeah, because he uh, he has he has talked about wanting to use boxing 
sort of build a bridge between U.S. relations and Russia. And I guess he's quite uh, friendly with Putin. That's correct. They had tea earlier they had today. Tea. And um, picture that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then. And he, I mean, in, in all fairness, Roy has a, a career over in Russia. Right. He, he appears there frequently and right. travels there frequently. He spends a lot of time there. Boxing's a big sport. He there. fights there and he also performs. He actually is a, a lot music of artist. Know he's also a rapper and an actor. So, um, you know, he is a personality, uh, personality there. So. Um, he will be doing our show shortly. Yeah. So we'll, you'll just have to stay tuned. But I got sh- people were so excited that he was coming on the show. He has such a huge fan base. He's legendary. No, no, he is. And he actually just had his 40th knockout of his career this past Sunday. 46 years old. Foxwoods. He knocked um, out a 24-year-old. Absolutely. I've absolutely. wanted to knock out some 24-year-olds <laughs> before. Haven't you guys? You get some just, bo- boxing Just tips when they're him? trying to have a conversation with me. <laughs> but... um. Well, but what I remember, what I remember, Roy, was the 1988 Olympics, the mm-hmm. big controversy during the Seoul Olympics. Uh, do you remember when he was awarded the silver, really should have gotten the gold, and the three of the judges got suspended? I mean, it went on for like Correct. years of investigation. So we have all that to There's talk There's always to. controversy in boxing, it seems like, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, around everything, the promoters and the, mm-hmm. yeah, but it's, but you know, he is a legend. You know, he, he at one at one point was. Um, uh, you know the world, the world champion um, in f- four different uh, divisions. Divisions. So, He's right. like one of the only few people that have won in every division. In every division. And he also so. is one of the few that went from uh, welter, whatever the um, middleweight, up to then went from middleweight to winning a heavyweight title. Heavyweight, also. correct. Right. So, so, um, so we'll look forward to. Re- He's going to reschedule. Yeah, it's still going to be a great interview, and you know we wish him the best in Russia. Yeah. Um, he's getting a lot of um, criticism and people are raising their eyebrows. Right. But, um, well, we'll ask we're him still the tough, walking him with open We'll arms, ask right? him the tough questions here on <laughs> one-on-one with Jasper Cole. But we have but, a great but guest But we have a great in, guest. A really great guest. Just award-winning singer Tony Terry, mm-hmm. um, who has a new, uh, new hit song called Dance for Hours that's climbing up the charts. It just broke the top 20. Top 20. But... Um, He's legendary as well in his own right as mm-hmm. in the R&B war. Tell everyone about his background. Well, I mean, I, most people know him from the, from the nineties. I mean, right. he has a, a, string a slew of, of hits. hits. A we're, slew of hits. We're gonna play. We're gonna play his. When we go to break, we're gonna play "Dance for Hours." Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. But um, we'll talk to him about because he's in Atlanta, right? Correct. Did he start out in Atlanta? Because you know it. that whole. I mean, we're gonna talk to him about mm-hmm. that because the whole music scene. Um has exploded in Atlanta but even when I was still there in the late mid mid 80s to late 80s it was you had Pebbles and mm-hmm. Babyface and that was all happening then as well I don't know if he was part of that group but uh, that that group of producers we can find out you can definitely find out yeah but you know he's one of those artists that that you say his name and anyone who you know listened to R&B in the 90s just would drop everything just to listen drop to him. Drop their pants? Because, well, that too. Wow. Throw their panties? He's one of those artists. <laughs> yeah, he did uh, She's Fly, Forever Yours, Lovey Dovey, Young Love, On the Strength, Head Over Heels, Everlasting Love, The Kind of Guy, With You, When a Man Cries, Heart of a Man, goes on and on. That's wow. just in the Thanks, 90s. JW. And then he did If You're Gonna Worry, Don't Pray. That's in 2006. Can you sing any of these, All I JW? need. Oh, well, no, Do you remember well, any of them? I can't sing anything right now. <laughs> But oh wait, do you know Scrambling he was, right now. Wait a second. He <laughs> yeah. was also in Sisterella. Oh yeah. Ralph Cole Jr. starred in that and won an NAACP award. Oh. oh is Ralph on the is Ralph I in the chat Ralph, room? Ralph is in the chat room. Maybe he could call in and give us a little Can you ask Ralph to tell us if he remembers Tony Terry from Sisterella? I will ask him. And ask his call and have his 
black ass call in? <laughs> Not Tony, Ralph. <laughs> oh we would never uh, say that to Tony. No, no, no. But no. Ralph Cole Jr. can call in. So highbrow. So, so let's listen to the do dance for hours ready. You ready to go to it? Yeah, let's yes. take our first break. Okay. And when we come back, we're going to have Mr. <laughs> Tony Terry on the line. And Ralph can call in as well. And uh, we're going to hear his new hit song right now, Dance for Hours. So uh, come on back. You're listening to One on One with Jasper Cole. You said you want to spend some time with me. I'm on fresh-baked breadsticks will multiply that by a million. They're here. New breadstick sandwiches starting at just $6.99, only at Olive Garden.
just like that.
You're back one on one with Jasper Cole. Oh, all right. Welcome back. Here we are. We are on the air. Uh, Sunset Gower Studios right here in Hollywood, California. Say hello to my producer, Mr. John Williams. Hello, hello. And Mr. Dominic Friesen. Hello. So we are waiting. We're going to have uh, R&B uh, superstar Tony Terry calling in shortly. I think he's calling from Atlanta, my old stomping grounds. But in the meantime, let's talk about what's happening in the news, folks. What is going on? Anything? Um, so Donald Trump is soaring. Nothing's changed for him. Doesn't matter if he beats somebody with a billy stick, I guess. Oh, the yeah. dumbass Republican is going to keep voting for him. But... But you remember this time... Jared I mean, Fogel from Subway? That's a top story today. Okay, let's talk about his pedophilia ass. <laughs> that, so, I, he, so he's pleading... He reached a plea, plea deal. Plea deal. And so Five to 12 years. You think they'll give him the maximum? Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. mean, I mean, there's, what, 14 underage? Well, and it, apparently it wasn't just... Originally we thought he, was ju- he just had some uh, pornography on his computer, but now they've gotten him with actually having sex with a 17-year-old girl and... I think videotaping it or using it. I don't know. I And the, the interesting thing is that his wife waited until today to, to file divorce for him. divorce. Yeah. Maybe. Well, I guess she wanted to hold out for thinking that he might be innocent. But he's made a shitload of money. I didn't realize how wealthy he was mm-hmm. from Subway. Well, you know, he, he also has to pay restitution to his right. victims, I believe. 100,000 is- to 14 victims. 14 oh. victims. So the, vi- so the 14 are... I guess the minors that are in different videotapes and stuff or online. I don't know. It's they're, just, they're, I mean, I, it's, I'd rather not know the details. I think, but I mean, 14 victims. That's, and it all started because this one guy who ran his charity, they were investigating him mm-hmm. to start with. And then I guess they connected the dots back to Vogel. Fogel? <laughs> he's going to be someone's bitch, although he's not very attractive. Not that you have to be attractive in prison to be someone's bitch, so I've been told, that at that point you just, you know, People are desperate, right, JW? I would not know. <laughs> Dominic? I we don't have a clue. No, I've heard. But um Yeah, I'm trying to get Terry on the line. It looks like I have him on the line right now. I'm unavailable to take you. Nope. Uh, that's his oh, voicemail. Well, how about that? Should we leave him a message? Mm, we're waiting. Okay. Um no, but what I was saying about Donald Trump is I it doesn't seem to matter. He's just soaring in the polls. And meanwhile, Megan Kelly's been sort of taken off the air at Fox. But <laughs> she's but, a know, superstar but, though. It, Okay, oh, I, think is I, he got, on? I think I got him now. Is this Tony? Yes. Hey, buddy. Well, this is Jasper Cole. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm awesome, Jasper. What's going on with you, man? Hey, say hi to Mr. JW, my producer here. Hey, hey. And you've got Dominic Friesen sitting here as well. Hello, What's Mr. up, Terry? Dominic? Hey, how are you? Well, first of all, congr- I'm great. Now, what, before we go in, I'm getting a severe echo. Oh, okay. Um, JW, okay. is yeah. that he's getting an echo? You're getting an echo. Okay, yeah. we'll, we'll look into that. Are you are okay, you just listening through the phone? It's gone now. Okay. Oh, okay. It's gone now. It just disappeared. Oh, so, so, Mr. Terry, we actually just listened to your current hit, "Dance for Hours." Dance for Hours. It's fantastic. And everyone oh, in the studio you, was was literally dancing. We were dancing, <laughs> but luckily we didn't dancing have the camera. Dancing for hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, and we also played with you. We played with you as well, yeah. going back to your one of your original hits, your biggest hit, yeah, actually. Yeah, are yeah. you are you in Atla- are you in Atlanta? I'm in the studio, actually. Yes, because you know I always have to say I'm from Athens, Georgia, and I lived in Atlanta, and that's where my hometown is. So 
fellow. Okay, home, so home is Athens? Originally, I've been here 30 years, but I grew up in Athens, and I lived in Atlanta for a few years before I moved to L.A. Okay, yeah, well, you got the better end of the stick, I think. I did? Uh, <laughs> <in LA>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you tra- you travel everywhere, so... Um, yeah, yeah, I do, I do. But where did, where did you actually grow up? In Washington? Or? Uh, yeah, I grew up between North Carolina and D.C. All of my schooling and stuff was done in D.C. Okay. So, uh, unfortunately, I'm a product of D.C. public schools. Well, listen, <laughs> I'm public school Georgia, so it's, I'm, it's a wonder I can I can read or write. I, I, might, right? I might be a little ahead of the game than you then. Well, I see. I looked at. I see we're basically the same age here. So, we're, uh, <laughs> high school was class of 82 for me. Um, oh, yeah. Same here. Same okay. here. Oh, okay. Yes. Perfect. But it's interesting because I see you went to you. You were in the school of art, so you this whole yeah. music for you must have started way back early on for you, as a kid. Oh yeah, yeah. As a kid, I was one of those kids that always knew what I was going to be doing as an adult. I, I never, I never had to figure it out. I never was in a situation where I need, I needed to, you know, decide what I'm going to do with my life. I was, I was singing and performing as a kid, and you know, the, you know, one thing just led to another, and. It's just always all been natural progressions for me. You know, it's like, okay, it just seems to make sense that this would be the next thing that I would be doing, whatever that next thing was, you know? So, so obviously, it's, it's a God-given talent. You're born with it, because if you, you just started singing as a kid, did you sing in church or just— uh, Of course. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of course. absolutely. Name me a Southern, a southern child right. who didn't grow up singing in church. Who can sing? <laughs> and, and ones who can't. We still had to sing, right? right? right. Va- vacation, right. Bible school, and everything. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Well, who were some of your like, big influences when you were starting out younger in terms of music? Well, I think, you know, at my youngest, uh, as, as far as I can remember, it was, it was my grandmother who, who said, you know, go, go ahead on and do it, baby. Baby, you can do it. <laughs> yeah, you can do it, baby. <laughs> but in terms of music that I liked and would listen to, um, you know, my parents collected a lot of records back in the day. And I would... I would get a new record player every Christmas. Love it. And I would take my take my parents' records and I would go into my room and literally study them for hours and hours and hours. And I would sing records like um, from Perry Como to <laughs> Wow to uh, Donny Hathaway and everything in between. And you know, I had I had favorites like Aretha Franklin. Of course, Donny Hathaway was a favorite. Um, Peebo Bryson. Um, Chicago. All I right. love everything that Chicago did or does, and uh, you know, so I was kind of all over the place musically, and I just, I think that I am vocally um, a combination of all the people that I grew up listening to. Cause right. I, I know that I, I've taken a little bit from this one, a little bit from that one, and a little, and a it, little it Mar- Marvin Gaye, a little Teddy Pendergrass. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I I grew up loving R and B as well. In fact, I still do. That's like on Sirius XM, whatever station. I'm, I'm always on the R and B. Heart and soul, probably. Yes, yes. And uh, I mean, I'm, we're talking Gap Band. You know, we're going way back. Those are some of my. Oh, my, yeah, my yeah, yeah. That was my first concert in Atlanta. Was the Gap Band? So, oh, um, really, my first concert at 12 years old was Patti LaBelle. Oh well, oh, there gosh. you go. All right. I was blown away. And she's still throwing down. You Absolutely. Know? She doesn't stop. Yep. Well, let me ask, speaking of longevity, because you clearly are, you have the longevity, what do you think? Because I know the music industry has changed so much over the last decade or yeah. two decades. Yeah. What yeah. has been your, like, uh, 
what's kept you in the game, I guess? Um, honestly, um, I think it's all about relationships and, you know, who you know. Cause, you know, I traveled around the world for about six and a half years with Roberta Flack, mm-hmm. you know, singing, singing those wonderful duets with her. And um, I just ultimately thought it was time for me to go because I was ready to, you know, get back out there. But for a long time, it just didn't seem like there was a place for R&B music mm-hmm. on radio, mm-hmm. and um, I, I think I, I think I can go beyond saying it seems like it wasn't. There wasn't. There wasn't. Right. You know, there was there was no place for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if your record didn't have a rap in it, you know, then it wasn't. And it's still kind of like that. Mm-hmm. But I think I think that the musical shows that showcase voice shows like the voice, right? Mm-hmm. And American Idol, you know, that showcase actual singing talent has has brought the light going to one's ability um there's still a lot of studio artists out there but mm-hmm. i think they have the singers coming back right and because i'm a fan of all those shows i've watched american idol from season one and even in the early mm-hmm. auditions the majority of songs people choose to sing are r&b a lot of times at their yeah, auditions uh-huh. you know and um and you have jennifer hudson and all these amazing singers that have come off that show so um well it, it's interesting because you you branched into acting along the way as well. Was that just a natural mm-hmm. progression? Because I know you did, you know, video, music videos, for all you youngsters out there, music videos back in the day were like mini films. You know, it was literally acting on on camera. Well, I, well, I went to the Duke Ellington School of the Arts, and I was completely green. I, I went not even knowing that my I should be auditioning with a sheet of music. I went in <laughs> thinking that, there would be a record player and that I could sing along with <laughs> the Jeffrey Osborne record that I had under my arm. Oh, and then, 45. And yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and so I quickly found out that that's not how it happens. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but what took me into acting was while I was at the school of the arts, there was an acting troupe called the Everyman street theater company that was, uh, directed by one of the founders of my school, uh, Mike Malone, um, God rest his soul. Mm. Um, and, and, and it allowed me to go into, it was very much a fame experience if you ever saw the fame television. I loved it, it yes. Very, it was very much like that. So imagine that kind of experience. You know, we were soaking it in. We, I didn't, we, didn't, we didn't even want to go home at the end of the day. Wow. So... I was, you know, I was, I was trained at, we would train and rehearse for like 10, 12, 14 hours a day and still wouldn't want to go home after a long day like that. We would still want to be there. And I got an opportunity to audition for the first school-wide production that was going to be happening at Ellison, um in its history at that time. And it was, it was a remake of a Broadway called Don't Bother Me, I Can't Cope. Mm. And I auditioned and I leave. Wow. And I, I was actually kicked out of the music department <laughs> um, at that time because they weren't ready for us to, for the di- different departments to be co-mingling. Oh. They didn't want a um, student who, whose um, focus was vocal music to be doing productions with the theater department and vice versa. And so, you know, I got the role. I decided I wanted to do it. And I ended up graduating Duke Ellington as a theater student, even though um, I did all of my studies as a musical student. 
Wow. When you're talking about the, your experiences in the school, you know, that sort of not wanting to go home, that sort of prepares you for this business and what was to come, you know, the 24-7, you, you feel like that's, you kind of have to have that sort of dedication to even be in this business, you know. We call it the gypsy life. Yeah, I say to people sometimes, you know, if you can find anything else you can do and be happy, do it, you know, because this is not the most secure business, as we know, but... um but once you once you're bitten true. by the bug, there's no there's no vaccine. <laughs> it's an yeah, epidemic. Absolutely true. Absolutely yeah. true. You know, I can't imagine myself doing anything else. Right. And fortunately for me, um, my music, my gift, has provided for me my entire life. I've not had to do anything outside of open my mouth and sing to provide for myself and my family. That's amazing. Well, you have just been blessed. I mean, you've worked with so many greats in the business. I mean. From Anita Baker, like you mentioned, Roberta Flack, on down the line, are there certain uh, experiences that stand out as sort of being the gold standard for you and looking back, and not just looking back, but I mean currently also? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that my time, well, the the Anita Baker connection was kind of like Anita was really a a guardian angel, if you will. You know, if, if Anita Baker had not come into my life, there would not have been a video for with you and you know i don't think that the record would have ultimately had the life that it had um and i think the i think the video had a good deal to do with that it was because of her that the video happened wow she's got a a very generous spirit yeah yeah and and um and then my time with roberta flack roberta uh, roberta is was professionally a teacher Hmm. she was also a child prodigy Hmm. and so you know my experience with her was very technical and, you know, even though I came to the Roberta Flack camp with, with years and years of experience, um, Roberta was very precise. She's a technician. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're familiar with Roberta Flack's voice, you'll know that it's very, very small. Right. So, and so we had to, you know, anybody can play loud and tear the place up, okay? But the, the trick with, or the key with Roberta was that we had to play soft sing softly and still kill the place killing me softly so yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> i'm or, sorry or i couldn't help it fire. right or, or quiet fire right is right what i like to call it and right she, she actually had an album called quiet fire how perfect but i like to just i like to describe you know what she does as quiet fire mm-hmm. and so you know so it's kind of a it's you know it's on fire but it's a small fire but it still burn you well, also, it's, it's, you know, I'm not a singer. J.W., my producer here, is an amazing singer. In fact, he sounds like a R&B uh, black woman when he sings. That's a compliment. Uh-oh. That's actually a compliment. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, so I'm actually very envious of singers, but I'm always um, fascinated with songwriting as well. So uh, do you did you start writing when you were young as well, or did it did you write and sing together, or...? Um, I did not grow up writing. I actually wrote my first song on the, on the Never One Train in New York on my way to my first recording session. Oh, my God. Um, for my album. And the song I wrote was Lovey Dovey. Oh, All right? wow. Right. So I'm, I'm writing Lovey Dovey. I'm writing the lyrics and the melody on the train on the way to this recording session. And I get there, and I hear this music, the music that would ultimately be the track for Lovey Dovey. And I'm, I'm before I even go inside. I'm singing the lyrics and the melody 
to this track that I'm hearing, the, the lyrics that I just wrote to this track that I'm hearing. I haven't even knocked on the door yet. And it fit, right? Wow. So I knocked on the door, and the producer, Dr. Bob Kazuri, opens the door, and he's like this nutty professor-looking <laughs> kind of white guy. And, um, and he's in there, I mean, he's just in there, just in beast mode, making this track. And I'm like, who is this track for? And he was making the track for Invoke. Oh wow! I love it. And so I was, I was like, "Listen, man, I wrote this song, and it fits this track, and I don't know. I think I need to have it." And so I sung him the song; it fit perfectly. He was, and we were like, "Invoke who?" Right, right. And that was it. <laughs> Never <laughs> gonna get it. It ended up being, it ended up being a really big record for me. It was like, I think it was certainly in the top five on the Billboard charts. I yeah, believe. number four in 1988. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, let's let me let me yeah. go back a second. You know, because I think listeners are are always really fascinated with the journey so what was your you know going from the school of arts and then all of a sudden getting a record deal like how what was that journey in between because you signed your first contract right in um 87 right that with okay, epic so, uh 86 86 actually yeah well okay, somewhere in this there is how it went. Once, <laughs> I, once i graduated high school in 82 all right i stayed in i stayed in the dc area and i somehow convinced Howard Johnson's that I had their logo tattooed on my behind. <laughs> I, well, who has it? I really? wanted, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you know that you know I wanted the job. I was not going to leave the company. I was going to be there because I wanted to be put into the management training program. Wow. But I always knew that it was never going to be you know what my life was going to end up as. Right. But I convinced them uh, successfully. I was eighteen, um, and within a year or so. I had my own stores that I was managing, Howard Johnson's restaurant. Oh, then one day in 1984, Johnson. I'll never forget, I found out that there was an audition that, again, one of the, the founder of my school, Mike Malone, was doing a, a perennial piece called The Black Nativity, which is done somewhere mm-hmm. in the world every year. Mm-hmm. It's a Langston Hughes piece. And I found out about the audition, and I quit my job. Wow. I just quit my job. I, you know, on like a couple of days before the audition, I turned my keys in to the guy who was my assistant manager, and I told him I was never coming back. Well, I knew the way I was leaving, I could never come back. Right. Because I didn't didn't put in a two-week notice. I just left. I told him I was never coming back. I went up to New York to audition, and I got the job. Wow. Now, it was was paying $45 a week. It's all right. But I was so happy to be there. Uh, We couldn't afford to uh, live in any place, so... We we were able to convince the theater company to allow us, the, me and the other few people that had auditioned from the D.C. area that had gotten a job, um, we convinced them to let us sleep in the theater wow. under our dressing room tables. And um, it was, you know, it sounds like a hard life, but it was where we wanted to be. But, you know, when we, we, we were having the time of our lives, being there, doing it, sharing hot dogs, heating hot dogs on light bulbs. Splitting them in half, cutting an apple in half as dinner or uh, a snicker bar. You know, that was dinner. This should have been a reality show. And chewing it 32 times because we wanted to get this. Damn, Tony. (laughs) Benefit. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It was like, don't, you know, make sure you chew good because this is dinner tonight. Oh, my God. Well, see, again, it was like that. when you're that yeah. age, you know, when you're young and you have a passion, it's funny when you look back on things we did, right? We, And like yeah. you said, it was exciting. It, you didn't feel like it you was. were doing without or anything. So, No, we had no bills, you know, you know nothing like that. And so ultimately, um, I was living in New York, 
and I was just about ready to give up. Just mm. about, you know, I had decided I'm going to go back to D.C. And, and one of my boys talked me into going to a club. And at that club, I met the gentleman, Ted Courier, who produced classics like Atomic Dog and mm. many others. Um, he was there. He heard me singing. I was doing kind of like an on-the-spot audition for the band that was playing that night. And Ted Courier gave me his card. I called him up. And he was working on a session with Parliament Funkadelic. Oh, wow. And uh, he was working on a group called the Boogie Boys in the 80s. Mm -hmm. They had a hit record called The Fly Girl. Yes, mm -hmm. I remember. I think it might have been, been one of the first rap records to go platinum. Mm. And so I managed to get myself into that situation. And, and my friend who took me to the session managed to talk Ted Currier into firing Parliament Funkadelic and hiring me to do the vocals on this record. Oh, my God. Uh, that's what happened. And then I was signed to Capitol Records. Uh, I never put out a record on Capitol, but I was signed to Capitol Records to sing Nat King Cole's catalog. I couldn't imagine doing that. And how old were you, like tw 19, 20? Or? I, was, I was 19, yeah. Wow. And then after that is when you signed with Epic, right? I signed with Epic. The guy who signed me to Capitol Records got fired. Right. And I didn't I didn't belong to anybody at the label. Uh -huh. You know, it's a you know, labels labels are ego driven. So you know, if you're, if you're an A and R person, you're looking to sign and promote acts that you bring to the label, mm -hmm. not acts that somebody else brings to the label. Right. So I, I didn't belong to anybody because the guy who brought me there got fired. Uh -huh. And he was hired at Epic Records and he talked Epic Records into buying my contracts from Capitol Records before I ever put out a record at all. Love it, love it. And then, and then my first record came out um, on Epic in October 1987, which was Fly. And so, Mr. Terry, you are, you know you obviously have so much more to offer and to to bring. And we were excited when we saw that your new track broke the top twenty over on Sirius. Um, yeah. What What do you want to be most remembered for? Because you have so much in your your body of work and your history? Well, you know what? That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, and it's kind of, you know, you know, at one point I would say, you know, I, I would, I wanted, I wanted people to remember me for being a great singer, which is a little bit selfish, <laughs> but even bigger than that, you know, I ran into a situation recently and I keep running into these situations when, when I think, my humanity is being tested. Mm -hmm. For example, I was I was on my way to the studio last night, mm -hmm. and it was literally raining torrentially, pouring down buckets of rain. And I drive up to get some snacks at a, at a gas station that's about a block away from the studio. And this woman walks up on walks up to me and says, uh, "I don't mean to bother you, sir, um, but I have seven children, and." We are, we need help. My children are standing in the rain mm. and, you know, we have fallen on hard times. You know, she had a job. She had, you know, they just fell on hard times. And I decided, you know, that I was going to help this woman before I knew she had seven children. Mm. And then when, <laughs> when she told me she had seven children, I still said, you know, I'm going to help you. But I had no idea how I was going to be able to help a family of nine so mm. some husband and wife and seven children wow. how do where am i going to take them it's 11 o'clock at night there's no shelter that's going to take them you know I, 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 there's no hotel that's going to take nine family members unless i buy three rooms and you know i right. didn't i didn't know you know how long they were but 
I put the I made the decision and I put the word out and I put it out on social media and my friends and you know and my network of people just started coming out and showing an incredible amount of love. I started a GoFundMe page. This is all since last night. Oh started God. a GoFundMe page. Started a GoFundMe page in the name of the family that was that's in a crisis and in dire need. And I think right now, since this afternoon, I put the page up, and I think right now we're at a, about five hundred dollars. Well, that's should we? Good. Should and we? So and, what What is the URL? Yeah, what's the go? For, how do people get to that? We'll We'll have our listeners check it out and. Oh, well, that, first, thank you so much for saying that. And let me let me see if I can pull the URL while we're oh. talking. It is okay. And, and, and Tony, Tony, speaking of um, different situations, recently you. Um, you posted an experience of when you were pulled over by by the cops, and yeah. your your recommendation, yeah. I believe, was to always to call nine one one and have them on your cell phone while, dur- while dur- it's happening during while you're being pulled over. Is that correct? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, listen. It was four o'clock in the morning, and I was on my way home from the gym, okay. and uh, I was being stopped. And I had no idea why I was being stopped because mm. I wasn't speeding. There's nothing wrong with my vehicle. It's a new car. It's not like any lights are out. Mm-hmm. My registration's fine. My insurance is fine. And this cop who makes a U-turn in front, makes a U-turn in front of me, pulls over, waits for me to pass him, and then gets behind me. Well, you know, there's a lot going on within. Yes. regard to the community and the police these days. Um, and this was immediate, this I, was right after Sandra Bland, correct? Yeah, actually it was, yes, it was right after. It was right after. And so it wasn't even like I was thinking about it. I just instinctively dialed 911, mm. okay? And I said to the operator, you know, that I was being pulled over. Um, I had no idea why. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm on a dark road. And for my own safety, I just wanted to make sure that someone was listening because, you know, a lot is going on between the cops and the community. Well, yeah. And she agreed to stay on the cop and stay on the phone with me mm-hmm. while I was being addressed by the police officer. When he came to my car, initially, he was a little bit and, and it wasn't a racial thing because he was black. Mm-hmm. Wow. OK, so he came to my car. He was a little bit aggressive, you know. You know, give me, give me, give me your license and registration. Uh, your car came back, your tags did. I'm like, what do you mean? And I fully know better because my tags expire in September, September 17th. Wow. So I'm like, there, there's absolutely no way mm-hmm. that my tags are dead. My my tag, my car is registered until September 17th. Mm-hmm. It's July, so you know. And then I said, oh, by the way, just so you know, I have 911 on the call, listening. Wow. His attitude changed instantly. Mm-hmm. That's a you great idea. I've never th- even thought of that. You know, that's a great thing to do. I like the fact well, that you, you know, mentioned. After... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Well, you know, I, you know, after reports of hearing things like the uh, the Sandra Bland footage mm-hmm. was edited. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, the video footage I'm sure, was edited. Sure, it, I'm thinking, it was. Yeah. You know, again, I honestly didn't put much thought into you know, let me call nine one one and you know tie up an emergency line. I felt threatened. Um, and I felt like it, it could be an emergency situation Absolutely. and I'm alone and it's four o'clock in the morning and you know, Hey, this is an emergency to me because there's no reason for me to be, to be pulled over. And I know that they don't edit nine one one tapes. 
Well, and I like the fact you mentioned it, it happened to be an African-American cop also, because that doesn't, you know, the same kind of thing can happen, be it Caucasian or African-American. Yeah, it's police brutality it's in general. Absolutely. But, of course, absolutely. that's not negating that there's a clear problem, you know, with racial profiling of, I call it driving while black, you know. Yeah, you know, it, yeah I agree with you. Yeah. It's interesting because I know in Atlanta, of all places, you know, Atlanta has a predominantly black city government and it's, you know, really, really great in terms of racial. um, Well, see, that's the problem. It seems like it would be great because you have the black government and stuff like that. But we talked we had uh, Donsley Abernathy on a few shows ago. You know, we talked about how there's been this. um, I don't know. The crazies have come out of the ground. You know, the racists have just poured out of the ground since Obama became president. So. That's a whole. Well, you know, I, you know, I, that, I think that's a whole other can of worms. Yeah, up. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to have a whole other hour on that. But, but the best thing yeah. is, you call nine one one. I want everyone to remember that one because that's something I will remember to do. You know. Yeah, I think for your own safety, and I do not, I honestly do not think that it is an abuse of the system. No, I think that you know, especially considering the climate, you know, today, right. um, it's it's wise to do such a thing, and then you know, just. Because you just never know. You, you never know. Mm-hmm. You just never know. Now, listen, so. before time runs out, I have to say, um, I loved Sisterella, the musical. Did You saw that? Yeah. Did you do it here at the Pasadena Playhouse, or did you do it on tour? Or Okay. I did it in New York. I New was York. the original Prince Charming. I, was, oh, okay. I did it in its workshop stage uh, when, when, Michael, uh, when Michael Jackson would come in. He would slip in the back with a mask on. And uh, and then he would slip out right before the show was over, um, and of course I would see him because I was always on stage. Well, we we <laughs> have a we have a mutual friend, Ralph Cole Jr. He was the Babalu in the in Sister Sisterella, and he won the yeah. NAACP award for it. But he says to say hello. He's my co-host on another show that I do. Show. Oh, that's awesome! Tell him I said what's up. <laughs> now, bef- so make sure we can tell everyone where they can get your music and and Twitter and all that stuff are you on all the social media of course I mean it's 2015 <laughs> gotta be on all the social media <laughs> I'm on Facebook at uh, Tony Terry and on IG at mr. Tony Terry MR Tony Terry and the same with Twitter perfect and music is on iTunes I mean everywhere right you can just music go- is everywhere that you can buy your downloads on iTunes uh, Play Store Amazon everywhere you can buy digital downloads it's there, and the new, the the album will be, you know, uh, available in uh, uh, brick and mortar, which okay. you know stores like I Best love that Buy, store, yeah, and, tar- and Target stuff like that. Well, congratulations! So right now, it's a, yeah, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. I really uh, appreciate I'm still very you. Uh, that I'm still taking the time to be with us today. Well, and it, seems, it seems like you didn't really ever go anywhere. No, no, you haven't <laughs> left at all. You've been busier than ever. So. Um, we can't thank you enough congratulations. and congratulations and we'll be tracking all your future success and please come back anytime and say hello to, to the city of Atlanta for me. All right, Mr. Tony Terry. Hey, thanks, man. Thank I you so much, you buddy. So much. Thanks I for also, having me. All right. Just before you go, Terry, Tony Terry, yeah. I just found, uh, that GoFundMe. So, uh, oh, I'll, I'll okay, read that awesome. on the yeah. air. It's a uh, GoFundMe.com and I'm going to put it on the screen as well. It's, and then there's eight Q 
8Q2-8-W-Q-U-W. That's the URL. So it's gofundme.com forward slash 8Q2-8-W-Q-U-W. And we're going to tweet it out. And we'll we'll it tweet out it out, Tony, as well. Man, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. God well, bless you. God bless Thanks, you for Tony. helping out. Thank you, buddy. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah. Wow. What a great interview. Mm-hmm. What a really great guy. That's a great story about helping out that family. You know, just And that's just one family. So imagine... Well, he's a heart yeah. of gold. He's heart always, of gold, and yeah. that's you know that just happened, you know, last, yeah, last random. Night. So you imagine so when he, he's, yeah, but he's he's always. What I love about that, what I love about his story is it's true. You know, when you're fortunate enough to know what you're born to do from an early age, because so many people don't know, they don't know that they never quite figure it out. I felt that way as an actor, and a lot of people mm-hmm. do. So, anyway, um, listen, I can't believe the show has flown by, right? <laughs> so, guys, remember to. Uh, check out our sponsors, canvasworld.com, uh, 3dayblinds.com, and 21stCenturyInsurance.com. Mm-hmm. And go on to our host page and click on the banners and use the promo code and all that good stuff. And we will be back next uh, Wednesday with a special guest, as always. And I want to thank uh, John Williams and Mr. Dominic Friesen. Thank you, guys. For joining us. Follow us on Twitter, one on one J. Cole. Check out Facebook, one on one with Jasper Cole. And actually, we're going to be giving away five signed copies of last week's guest's album, Susan Susan Tony, um, on our Facebook page. We got a theme going on with this Tony thing. Right. (laughs) That's right. Susan Tony, but she's T O N E Y. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Okay, guys, thank you so much once again. We will see you next week. God bless. Peace out. Bye bye. Thanks for checking out One on One with Jasper Cole. Check out past episodes and get the latest as they're released. Subscribe today on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube.